continuing our we're continuing our conversation with Thalia, who's sharing her fascinating life journey that culminated in the moment in helping people and assisting developing the wellness of their life through the practice of Chinese medicine. Now, the moxibustion, and you'll have to correct my pronunciation. Moxibustion. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Could so, you could you tell us about that? Sure. So that's a really famous herb. So Artemisia is the Latin name, and it's the herb that uh, a Chinese doctor got the Nobel Prize for a few oh. years ago in its use against malaria. It it's like mankind's greatest friend. <laughs> it's useful in so many ways. And one of the things we can do with it is we uh, burn the sort of floss from the plant. You can burn it near the body and you, you can even burn it on the body without hurting a person. And the body just sucks in that heat and it moves the energy. It's only that one plant, no other plant can do it. But uh, mox, moxa, we call it for short, is the name of the plant. And um, yeah, it, it can do wonders for people. I'm completely unfamiliar with that. Oh, uh, it feels great. <laughs> okay. Could you uh, could you tell us where that came from and uh, why I've never heard of it? Well, it's not as popular as acupuncture in this country. Um, maybe because it, you know, creates smoke. You, you may smell stuff coming from my office. Okay. It's not smoky, smoky, but it, there is a nice fragrance. Um it goes, the use of moxa goes back earlier than the use of needles. So these very, very early texts we have from way back in prehistory, they're looking at those same pathways that we're using today, but they're just using moxa to move the energy and heal people. And it wasn't until they had more technology where they could develop tiny needles that they were able to use metal in that way. Oh, okay. And the last one, the GUA, and I don't have all the, could you? Tell us about that. Yes. Yeah. So that's just a, you take a tool. It can be any kind of uh, dull tool. Some people use a lid of a jar. I use a piece of animal horn that's kind of flat and you, you scrape. So say somebody has a fever and they have taken Tylenol and they can't shake this fever. If you take that little tool and you scrape the back of their neck at a certain point, on the what we call the dew channel okay it starts to turn pink and eventually boom that heat is released and that fever is gone hmm. okay and you are also a tai chi practitioner could you tell us a, a little bit about that i've seen films of people performing the but could you explain that to us please sure so tai chi is it is considered a martial art but it's much more of a meditative one certainly as it's practiced here and it's a way again we're always doing the same thing we're moving that energy through the body so tai chi does the same thing you can do it for yourself so tai chi movements they focus the breath and they focus your intention on the body parts that you're moving and where the mind goes the body follows so tai chi can be used as a healing modality people can be prescribed tai chi exercises well, that's uh, that sounds really, really wonderful. Do you have any? Do you ever do any training films or YouTube videos that we can, perhaps our clientele could access? I don't, but I uh, another 
uh, similar art to Tai Chi is Qigong. Yes. So it was an earlier version. And there's a teacher who has a lot of free videos online that I love. His name is Lee Holden. Lee Holden. Mm-hmm. And he's a wonderful teacher and he, he has a bunch of free videos. He's doing a five-day Qigong challenge right now that you can get okay. for free. <laughs> well, we're always, we want to often offer all types of enhancements to people's lives that we always try to put up links and for people to explore. We often, I often suggest to my patients to develop this beginner's mind rather than an expert's mind and mm -hmm. be open to possibilities and be curiosity. And curiosity is something that has seemed to have been educated out of people, usually by the time they're about eight or nine years old. Oh, no. Um, yeah, no, curiosity is absolutely the reason I was born. <laughs> That's why I was put on this planet, to satisfy my own curiosity. Um, and a beginner's mind, I mean, doesn't that seem much more attainable than an expert mind? Like, we can all have that. Well, I usually use this type of analogy, uh, Thalia. I ask people if they've ever seen a thoroughbred horse race. And most people say yes. And I'll say, well, these are magnificent animals. They can do one thing and they can do it well. However, I always ask people, what do they have around their eyes? Well, they have blinders. And I try to analyze that and say, that is what an expert's mind is. They, they can't explore possibilities, only, only one certainty. And a beginner's mind is... I had, then I say, have you ever been around a three or four year old child that view things with wonder and joy and excitement? And I asked them, when did you begin to lose that in your life? Yeah, the, the unknown is, is really what keeps things interesting. And often uh, patients will ask me, you know, how long will this take to go away? Or what's going to happen next? <laughs> or <laughs> how long? You know, how long do I need to keep coming? And I always say, I have no idea. It's going to be so interesting to see what happens next. And it, always within any session, things will happen that I don't know are going to happen. They're unexpected. I'll get a feeling. I will see something change before my eyes. And that's what makes it lovely to do. Well, unfortunately, we live in a society uh, dominated by the term now is influencers that tell people that how they should be and what they should attain and what they're not and what to achieve. We seem to be consumed by this myth of productivity that we always have to be consuming and we always have to be achieving and, and getting somewhere rather than stopping and, and appreciating something. And uh, what bothers me the most is that people aren't taught how to deal with discomfort and that we're taught that if you have any discomfort at all, that you should take some type of a drug or some type of a procedure to really to relieve that. Yeah, sitting with discomfort is um, it's a practice that other cultures uh, embrace. They expect that that is going to be a part of life and including death, right? That that's a part of life and that children need to be educated and how to deal with it. Well, so, quite, quite often what I deal with is people who have a morbid fear of death. Yeah. And it's understandable, right? We're never, we're never taught how to hold it within life. It's just like, oh, that's the opposite of life, but it's not, it's part of life. <laughs> well, in, in the Buddhist world, it's known that uh, death defines life. 
And the Buddha was asked once, what's the most common misconception that people have? And he said the most common misconception people have is that they have an abundance of time. Mm. Yeah. Which is, people are people already feel pretty pressured about time, about time. I don't know if I would. Well, of all the substances on earth that people abuse, time's the worst one. Yeah. What are they saying? I don't have enough time. I've uh, so I try to help people make time their ally and not their enemy. Uh, mm -hmm. So where does this? conceptualization of yours, the Chinese medicine, fall into a line with, say, let's say something like Reiki, chakra work. I've had my chakras realigned a number of times. I've had Reiki. Uh, so could you tell us where that particular lies in, in your sphere? Sure. So uh, Reiki is a Japanese art of energy medicine, and I think it ha has a lot in common with the Chinese version of, of Qigong, that I would do to somebody. So that's the kind of energy work where I use my hands. And um, I have never had Reiki done, but my impression is that it is similar in that way. And then what else did you ask about? The chakra work. Chakra work, yeah. So, so in Chinese medicine, we also talk about these energy reservoirs that go up the body and so for the longest time, I would just think of them in that way. But through my clinical work, I can absolutely feel chakras. So yeah, call Indian Ayurvedic medicine has many kind of interleaving philosophies that work with Chinese medicine. And, and there are also multiple energy systems going on in the body at the same time. So the chakras are there and the Chinese pathways are there we have a lot of stuff going on. There's like a infinity shape, uh, sort of course of energy that goes on around us as well. And different cultures have chosen different energy systems to work on more specifically, but, um, but they're all there, they're all present. And the more you work with any one approach, you're gonna observe the others coming in. Okay. So do you do chakra work? I do. When I'm doing Qigong, I am clearing and charging and feeling what's going on with the chakras. Well, mm -hmm. I am definitely going to make an appointment with you because I feel that I'm quite blocked up. No, <laughs> oh, I'm sure anybody in it, your profession uh, takes on a lot. So well, you... I've often suggested, I've often told people, they always ask me, how are you doing, Jim? And I said, well, if I took 25% of the suggestions that I give to my own patients, probably a lot better. <laughs> so how does so how does Athelia take care of herself? Yeah, I I so Wednesdays are my day off. <laughs> That's the first thing. I need the middle of the week to just recharge. And then I am a better practitioner on the other days. And I have I have um sound instruments in my office. So I have a gong and a bell. And between patients, I'm going to ring those. I'm going to use sound to clear the space. I have a plant essence that I can spray. I open the window. I change the linens. I might do a little qigong. It's all quick, but uh, but you need to clear between each each person. So how do you find the atmosphere where you and I operate out of? How do you oh, my gosh. I love that place so much. Those trees, Jim, we, they're just so priceless we are so lucky to have those trees around us they are absolutely helping with the healing work 
that is going on in that building. So I shower them with gratitude every day. I've <laughs> always felt that that was a special place. Yeah. Yeah. We're sheltered there. I love being so close to Highland Park also. Mm -hmm. I yeah. frequently, frequently go up there. So if someone was interested in uh, pursuing uh, Chinese medicine, this type of uh, treatment for people, what would you suggest to them? Getting a treatment as a patient? Oh, no, getting getting this type of getting knowledge. Getting trained? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, definitely I would suggest reading books about it. There is a famous book, um, The Web That Has No Weaver by Ted Kapchuk. That's like the classic book about Chinese medicine, about the philosophy of it. So uh, all practitioners start with that. Before you need to get into nitty gritty of how things work, it, it's really about the philosophy. The web that has no weaver. Mm -hmm. We have a reading list on the website. We'll certainly add that to it. Good. Well, Good. That's that's just just amazing. So do you feel fulfilled? Do you feel that you're appreciated? Do you feel that you're a part of? Do you feel that you're contributing? Oh my gosh, yes. Of all the work I've done in my life, this is by far the most gratifying, the most enjoyable. It it is um it can be tiring. So that's why I need to make sure that I have space for myself so that I can continue to do this work because I, it's not a job I'd want to retire from, right? You're literally helping people transform and, and um, helping their light be uncovered. Ah, I love that term, letting their light be uncovered. That's, mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's a gorgeous thought. Well, Thalia, you're, I think you're just absolutely delightful. And I, uh, I am grateful for the day that you and I cross paths. Oh, me too, Jim. Me too. <laughs> well, I'll be coming to uh, visit you, and uh, you can consider that a warning or not. <laughs> so, Thalia, at the end of every podcast, we offer a free prescription, fruits, nuts, and vegetables, and unplug your television and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest to people that they fish without bait. And we ask them to do a kindness for themselves and a kindness for another. We ask them to forgive themselves and we ask people to forgive another. Until all are free, none are free. Namaste. Namaste. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, Click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.